Thanks for downloading this History Hub podcast. For more information on History Hub and to download our other podcasts, go to www.historyhub.ie. In this episode, the first in a two-part series in the Battle of Clontarf, Elvie Johnston of UCD looks at Brian Brew and the Battle of Clontarf. Clontarf in 1014 is one of the most famous events in all of Irish history. Generations of Irish schoolchildren learn that at Clontarf, the aged High King of Ireland, Brian Borova, Brian Boru, defeated the pagan Viking invaders in a bloody day-long battle on the shores of Dublin. Though victorious, Brian Boru famously lost his life in the hour of his victory. In the intervening years, Brian has come to be regarded as Ireland's first national hero, but what actually happened at the Battle of Clontarf? What was it all about? And who was Brian Brew? Uh, Brian Brew was the most important king of his day. He was initially the king of Munster, um, and his own family hadn't been the most important political players on the island. Dr Elva Johnston from the University College Dublin School of History and Archives. Uh, Brian Brew came from a family known as the Dalgosh. Um, they were based in, in North Munster, particularly in Clare, particularly East Clare and in Limerick. And over the course of about three generations, they went from being sort of important on a local level to being among the most important players in Munster. And Brian's brother, Mahoon, uh, who, who Brian follows as King of Munster, really lays the foundations uh, for Brown, Brian's successes. So in the course of several decades, he goes from being King of Munster to being recognised as the most important King of Ireland and in fact recognised as the King of Ireland. And a really sort of, I think, useful and dramatic example of this being recognised is in the Book of Armagh, very important 9th century manuscript held by the Church of Armagh. Um, and in Brian's presence, his secretary signs it as Brian, Emperor of the Irish Imperator Scotorum. So this is an amazing contemporary um, reference to how powerful Brian was on the contemporary political scene. The main reason that Brian, I suppose, looms so large in history, apart from the Battle of Clontarf, is that he was the first ruler in several centuries to break the monopoly of the Eniel on the High Kingship of Ireland. Uh, the Eniel, for many centuries, had seen the Kingship of Tara, which they claimed as being synonymous with the Kingship of Ireland, and they had dominated the Irish political scene from at least the 7th century, if not earlier. So when Brian rises to power, he manages to get the Eniel King of Tara, Mwil uh, Shechnal Macdonald, to recognise Brian's overlordship. And this is a remarkable and revolutionary event and it completely changes uh, the way politics are played out in Ireland after Brian's death. So after Brian's death, various dynasties fight for the kingship of Ireland in a way that they hadn't before. And that really is probably his most important contribution to Irish history. Over the course of his long life, Brian Brew fought very many important battles all over the island of Ireland. These included the Battle of Cahar in 977, the Battle of Balaklechta in 978, and the Battle of Glown Mama in the year 999. So was his final battle in 1014 seen by contemporaries as being a particularly significant event? 
Uh, the Battle of Clontarf was certainly seen as a very important battle by contemporaries. Uh, very many people were killed there, uh, some of them being the most important people in the island, including, of course, Brian Brew, the King of Ireland, but also his main opponent, uh, Moyle Morda, uh, the King of Leinster, also dies at the battle. So it was seen as a very important, very bloody battle, a major struggle. However, as a struggle, it would have been viewed as an internal struggle uh, between different power bases within Ireland. Uh, and if we look at the, the background to the Battle of Clontarf, we can see that Moyle Morda, the King of Leinster, Citric, the Hiberno-Norse King of Dublin, um, have interests in common. Neither one of them want to accept Brian's overlordship, and so they unite together to oppose him. Uh, Brian, on the other hand, has the support, obviously, of his Munster allies, but also of Moyle Shechtel, uh, the King of Tara, the Inial King, who he had forced to accept his, his overlordship uh, earlier. Uh, Citric brings in allies from the wider Viking world uh, to aid him in the battle. And it, it's worth noting as well that Citric's wife at the time is in fact uh, Brian's daughter. So Citric is his son-in-law. And the other main uh, person opposed to Brian is Moyle Morda, the King of Leinster, who also happens to be Brian Brew's uh, brother-in-law. So again, rather than it being a battle between the Irish and the foreigners, it's very much a battle between people who are very closely related to each other. Certainly not one which was about the Irish defeating a Scandinavian invasion. The original accounts of the, the Battle of Clontarf are in, are in the annals, uh, and all they say is that Brian Brew marches towards Dublin. Uh, but the tradition that it was fought at Clontarf is quite an early tradition, um, and in all subsequent descriptions of the battle, it takes place at Clontarf on the on the seashore. Uh, and there's no real reason uh, to to doubt that it happened here because it has really no other significance at that point, other than being the place of the battle. And in fact, in later accounts, they make uh, great play of the seashore location. So, for example, the battle goes on longer than they expected because it's such a, a big battle, such a tightly fought battle. And uh, the tide comes in and it drowns several of the Vikings, uh, the Irish warriors on both sides. And some of the Vikings are unable to get back to their ships because of the incoming tide and they end up getting slaughtered uh, by uh, Brian's allies. So the, the location does play a major role in the way the battle is presented in subsequent accounts. The death of Brian Brew at the battle, as well as the death of his main opponent, the King of Leinster, Mael Morda, left a significant power vacuum in Ireland. So who were the main beneficiaries from the Battle of Clontarf? The immediate beneficiary uh, in, in the short term was Moel Shecknell, the King of Tara, uh, who had accepted Brian's overlordship. Brian's death obviously left a political vacuum. Moel Shecknell used the opportunity to reassert his authority as King of Ireland and to reassert the authority of the Inhale. However, Brian's career ensured that the Inhale were never really in a position to keep the authority as they had previously. Uh, in terms of Dal Gash, Brian's own family, uh, his own dynasty, um, this this is a, a time, a difficult time for them because so many of them die in the actual battle. Brian's son, Donacha, does manage to, to unify them. He becomes King of Munster, but he's really unable to gain the type of authority Brian had previously. But the, the Dal Gash and, and Brian's descendants uh, begin to use the story of the battle, the myth of the battle, in order to bolster their claims to the kingship. And they even go so far as to take Brian's name and they make it into their surname. So they're no longer called the Dal Gash. Uh, 
but we, we see them being described as the Ivrian or the, the O'Briens. Uh, the most effective at this is his great-grandson, Murkatok O'Brien. Uh, Murkatok uses Brian's name as his surname, he's an O'Brien, um, and he also very much sees Brian as his model. Now, in many ways, Murkatok is a, is a more effective and more modern king than Brian, if you look at his ecclesiastical and his political policies, but he very much sets the idea of Brian as this great king. Uh, Murkatok is a great church reformer, uh, for example, he's very much involved in the reform of the Irish church uh, in the 12th century. He donates Cashel uh, to the church, um, and if you go to Cashel today and you see the buildings on the Rock of Cashel, they wouldn't be there except for this act of generosity and politics, it must be said, uh, by Murkatok O'Brien. Uh, he also commissions the writing of a great saga which commemorates Brian Brew and the Battle of Clontarf, Cogagoyal Rogolov, which is probably written around the turn of the, the 12th century. And in a sense, it does what many commemorations do, and I suppose it's the danger of commemoration, is it distorts the past in order to support the politics of the present. And for Murkatok, King of Ireland, uh, somebody who's really pressing these claims, the idea that he would have this great heroic ancestor who had saved Ireland from the Vikings is a very powerful political image. Now the text itself, it's a long rambling text. It combines uh, analytic accounts, accounts which are near contemporary, with a sort of a vast um, sort of narrative about how wonderful Brian is. And it presents Brian as this ideal Christian king, because there is Brian, the holy king, an elderly man at his prayer has been cut down by an apostate brothier who's presented as this, you know, evil figure. And it almost presents Brian as a Jesus figure who was martyred for Ireland on Good Friday. I mean, incidentally, we don't know if the battle was fought on Good Friday or not. The date isn't mentioned in contemporary accounts. It may well have been, but it's certainly used to very good propagandistic effects. Um, and the battle is very much a battle of good and evil. On the one hand, you've got Brian, King of Ireland, and opposed to him are the pagan Vikings who are trying to invade Ireland. Now, we know that in the time of the Battle of Contarf, the main Viking element, Citrix army from Dublin, the Hiberno-Norse are all Christian and they're all closely related to each other and there isn't that sense like who is the foreigner like when Brian is fighting who are the foreigners really but Cogagoyle Regalov replaces the complexity of the Battle of Contarf uh, you know a battle which has so many different nuances and there's so many sort of side elements and politics going on with a very simple good versus evil and it's extremely effective at what it does. Because of the involvement of the Dublin Norse in the battle along with Citrix Viking allies the story of Clontarf reach far beyond Ireland's shores. In Njal Saga, a 13th century uh, Old Norse saga, there's a long and extended description of the Battle of Clontarf at the end of the text. And it's actually the longest description of the battle apart from the, ba the description we find in Koga Gwaila Regalov. Uh, Njal Saga is largely in agreement with Koga in the way it presents the battle. Now, it's independent of Koga, it's not drawing on, on, on the Koga as a source, uh, but it very much presents Brian as the wonderful Christian king fighting the forces of paganism. And in fact, one of the Vikings changes sides uh, during the battle because he's impressed by Brian's holiness. Um, so, you know, you have Vikings fighting for Brian, Vikings fighting against Brian, but the narrative is really about how wonderful and Christian Brian is. Now, one of the interesting things that Njal Saga does is the role of, of Gurumla, Brian's wife, and also the mother of Citric, uh, who obviously has an important role uh, in the Battle of Clontarf and Njal Saga, is, is greatly expanded. Um, in Koga, she 
she's presented as having a quite a negative role. Uh, she incites her brother, the King of Leinster, to fight against Brian. In the Al saga, that role is hugely expanded and she turns into this sort of evil queen who uses sorcery to inspire her son to fight against Brian. And she's presented as almost offering herself and the kingship of Ireland at one and the same time. So she's sort of beautiful but evil. Now, given her age, um, she certainly, she may have been beautiful in her youth, but she would have been quite elderly by the time the Battle of Clontarf took place. So, I mean, this is just a, a sort of almost like a fairy tale. And anybody who's familiar with sort of the story of Snow White will recognise an awful lot of the way Gorumla is portrayed. You know, she's portrayed as sort of the evil stepmother, the evil queen. Um, in comparison, Citric's wife, uh, Slana, who is Brian's daughter, stays on her father's side and uh, Gorumla is her stepmother. So you're getting that whole sort of almost fairy tale uh, image of her uh, in Yal saga. Gorumla is sort of a key figure in terms of how we understand the Battle of Contarf. And this is because of all of the people associated with the conflict. She's related by blood or by marriage to all of the main players. Uh, Gorumla is the daughter of the King of Leinster, Murica. Her brother is Moel Morda, who is one of Brian's two major opponents. Now, his other major opponent, Citric, is her son by Aulive, the Hiberno Norse King of Dublin. Now, Aulive is the first of three marriages uh, that Gorumla has. Her second marriage seems to be Moel Shecknell, uh, the King of Tara, um, and her third marriage is to Brian. Now, she has a son by Brian as well, Donacha, and Donacha is the person who succeeds Brian as, as King of Munster. Um, so, if, if you look at the, the various characters, she is, you know, related by blood or she's related by marriage. She's two sons on either side of the conflict, um, and she's a brother on one side and a husband on the other. Now, it's unclear whether she's still married to Brian at the time of the Battle of Contarf, um, and, and the sources are in disagreement about it. But in a way, that doesn't matter. I think what's significant, if you look at Gorham, is it tells you an awful lot about the role of aristocratic women in Irish society of the time. This is, a, is a, an aristocratic world in which all of the families are very closely intermarried with each other, um, and it's women who join the different families to, uh, together. Uh, women would, be, would marry three, four times uh, in, in the course of their life. Uh, marriage and divorce is very common in the society of the time, and many women would have been in the position of Gorumla, where they would have had, you know, close relatives uh, involved on either sides of a conflict. So she's not unusual in that sense. Uh, it's just that she is then given this literary character and is turned into a villain of the piece uh, more than anything else. Um, one of the things which I, I find is a, is a real oddity about the portrayal of Gorumla is she's a very prominent character. She's prominent in, in Koga, the Irish account. She's extremely prominent in the Al saga, where, where she has this role as this sort of, you know, very wicked queen. Um, it's fascinating, though, that that role isn't taken up um, in, to any great extent in sort of later uh, ideas about the battle. I mean, why is it that a character who is so important in these original accounts uh, of the battle somehow disappears uh, from the narrative? The fact that Gormla was so closely related to the main figures on both sides clearly shows that the battle was a confrontation involving rival power bases from within the island of Ireland itself, rather than an Irish effort to repel Viking invaders. Gormla's role in the story of the Battle of Clontarf is just one fascinating element of a complex narrative which, 1,000 years after the event, continues to enthrall. <laughs>